1: This is a Manhattan-bound B-Express train. The next stop is Grand Street.
2: Mind the gap.
1: Hello and welcome
3: to Skylines, the Citymetric podcast. I'm Stephanie.
2: And I'm John. And this week we have a very special guest.
3: Who's our special guest?
2: If you could pick anyone who could be on this podcast. You know, someone that this podcast has always been an enormous fan of. Uh, you know, a, a, a prince among men, really. You know, someone... An Adonis, in many ways.
3: No.
2: Andy no. Burnham's going to be on the podcast. We've got Andy Burnham. No. The Andy Burnham.
3: Why?
2: Wow. I mean, he is probably going to be mayor of Manchester. So he's going to be a big oh, figure John in the Murray, whole city's world. Well. Well. Because he well, is, he is. He's he is. making it worse like, and worse. Yeah, but he's going to... But anyway, he was, I, I went to his uh, manifesto launch in, in Manchester yesterday, which was lots of fun, which we'll get to in a minute. But um, his 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 head of press who greeted me with oh Andy says you never write anything nice about him which is <laughs> which is true but uh, but also made me feel about two foot high um and she had a big grin on her face when she said it to be fair but she was kind enough to to uh to get me a few minutes of, of tape with the great man um so we'll we'll we'll, we'll have uh, my interview with 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 Andy Burnham in a little bit but to, to to sort of rebalance the podcast a little bit this week we're joined by someone who actually quite likes Andy Burnham that's uh, Patrick Maguire from the New Statesman Politics Desk.
4: Well, I mean, it's an increasingly lonely place to occupy, as the one, the one uh, last Burnhamite. But
2: <laughs> um, you'd actually call yourself a Burnhamite? bigger well, you're that big, uh, you're, uh, you're a true believer, right?
4: I'm I'm a yeah, I'm a Burnham truther. I <laughs> I, I, I subscribe <laughs> to the counterfactual that if Andy Burnham had won the 2015 leadership election, which really we all wish he did at this point, didn't we? Um, that we wouldn't have left the EU and we'd be uh, sitting pretty right now. Ooh, of, well, which, of which more later.
2: There's a lot to unpack there. We'll get to that. But should we start by talking about the manifesto launch, the story of the week?
3: Yes, because I saw Jennifer Williams of the Manchester Evening News tweeting about this and it sounded to me like what I'm going to call Factory Records pageantry. Is that it fair was, and accurate?
2: It was this amazing parody of, of like, you know... Sort of Hollywood, Manchester. So,
3: <laughs> that sounds like it should be an oxymoron. Yeah. But yeah. So,
2: so it was. The event was held in this place called the Sharp Project, which used to be a, the Sharp Electronics Factory up in is it Newton Heath? it's called? Something like that. Newton Heath. Yeah. Newton Heath. Um, and uh, firstly, there was a, a tray of, of Manchester-themed uh, patisserie.
3: What was that kind of Eccles cake? There was so... Eccles cake. There was, <laughs> oh, there was no.
2: Manchester tart. Um you know, that's my some... tinder name <laughs> <laughs> it's not actually there's going to be people looking now, um but yeah, so, so... Connor I'm
3: joking, please don't look that up
2: <laughs> connor she's not joking, look it up. Um,
3: <laughs> you actually had it. I feel like we should say for our international listeners, Eccles' cakes are amazing, so it's um kind of flaky pastry with currants and spices in. I put a little bit of ginger in mine, which is controversial um. Patrick looks disgusted. I'm a, it?
4: I'm a big believer in the Chorley cake, actually. I hate, to sound like no. a, I hate to sound like a contrarian. Well, I guess that's why I'm on here this week. But I'm a big believer in the Chorley cake, not the Eccles cake. What on earth is a Chorley cake? I mean, there's a very subtle difference, which actually embarrasses me. Flatness. It's yeah, flatness, yet. isn't it? Yeah.
3: <laughs> so you roll out a Chorley cake. So you're a Chorley cake truther. You could just get an Eccles cake and squash it.
1: Well...
2: Nah. We're in I'm danger purist, of becoming a <laughs> Bake Off fan podcast here. The, the piece of information that is listening for the international audience is that Echoes is a suburb of Manchester. Just to be clear. Oh Anyway, yeah. And it was as I was looking at this tray of Manchester-themed cakes that I suddenly realised the music playing is "One Day Like This" by Elbow, which is <laughs> oh
3: no. So,
2: I mean, it's a Manchester band, right? But I know, it's also my, such but a like my cliche. dad loves
3: Elbow. Elbow is not, yeah.
2: And and you know as the then there was a bit of Oasis there was some um, as as we were, there, there was Inspiral Carpets so this is how it feels to be lonely which is banger yeah. absolute
3: banger the, also as, uh, clearly a commentary on the current state of the Labour Party Yes, yeah.
4: this, this is how it feels when your Corbyn was constituency
2: Labour
3: Party yeah. <laughs> nothing at all
2: and this, they kind of they took us into the, the sort of the, the room where the actual manifesto launch was going no to be. they didn't
3: no was, no 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 they no. were playing Sit Down no. by James. No.
2: This, I swear this is literally true. Also, like I asked the guy in the door if he wanted me to sit anywhere specific. And he said, oh, no, wherever you like. But, you know, if you can go man, woman, man, woman, that would be, you know, because they're clearly all about what, the What, like some kind of
3: creepy dinner party in the stately home? They
2: clearly cast it very carefully. So, like, you know, before we got to um, Burnham's big speech, firstly, there was... Um, there was this video, which we'll come back to, with like the stone roses playing on the top. It's like scenes from Manchester history. And then we heard from like all these people who worked on the People's Manifesto, as they're calling it. And it was like, they clearly cast it. There was a young woman who used to live on the streets. There was an entrepreneur. There was a guy from the digital technology sector. There was a doctor to talk about the NHS. It was like, you know, the, these people represent the themes of Andy Burnham's campaign.
3: So I'm going to obviously. I still hate him and I don't want to tread on your beat here oh, it's okay. it's as okay. a Burnhamite pattern. I'm
2: glad to have friends in Are you switching sides? I'm not Surely switching side.
3: sides, but I'm going I'm to give him credit sides. where it's due, if, securing the knowledge that my dislike of the man is strong enough to weather it. Which is, I don't think this is a terrible idea. I think all politicians carefully cast their launch. It's great of him to bother to get a cross-section of the community. And also, Mancunians, I mean, if you're listening, come on, we know it's true, are so enthralled to their own mythology. There's nothing that that city loves more than talking about how they've got better music than London and can make a decent pastry. So, I don't think it's I I also don't think of the
4: premises of Andy Burnham being somehow a bad politician, a bad or incompetent politician, or... And, you know, being too slick can can hold at once. I mean, everyone can fix these, you know, as Stephanie said, these perfect central casting. A little bit try
2: hard. I mean a little bit What would
4: you rather you didn't try at all? Yes.
3: Yes. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Okay, let me talk about that's this.
3: That's just prejudice fucking, <laughs> isn't it?
2: <laughs> let me talk about this video because I started off immensely cynical because it was just like scenes from like Manchester's radical history. There's like suffragettes marching, trade unionists, and, and when he got to his speech, he talked about how Man- and Manchester invented the weekend and therefore It association. Manchester invented the, back the back weekend, that's okay. 100% true. Right. Okay, okay.
3: Have you, it's like you've not even been to the People's History Museum. Let me tell ta- you. The a song
2: playing job. over the top of this video was the Stone Roses singing This Is the One.
4: Amazing.
2: another tune another such a, it's just such a banger it could have been I, I am the resurrection it could have been I want to be adored but they went with this is the one and I was tweeting cynically as is my way and halfway through this video actually really got me and, <laughs> like genuinely like I, I, I was looking for it just before we came up so they haven't put it online best I can tell but the thing that got me about it was they kind of had this run through the history of Manchester and it's the Mancunian mythology and they kept the 1996 IRA bomb in Mm. Not just the devastation, there is actually footage of the explosion. And there's just something about, I don't know why that got me. I think there's there's a level of kind of honesty to it, of like how important a moment this is in the city's history. But it's a bloody terrorist attack.
3: Yeah, no, it was. It was a huge kind of defining... Yeah, moment for Manchester,
2: and it's just at that point I thought, okay, fair enough. This is this is kind of a potted history of of Manchester rather than just the stuff that Andy Burnham likes about Manchester. And then there was Liam Gallagher and so on popping up. But you know, it was like the 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 slogan it ended on was you know Manchester has a radical history. uh, Manchester has a history of radical innovation. We've done it before. We can do it again. And I sort of thought, you know what? Actually, that's that's a pretty strong vision for a for a city that's kind of bounced back from industrial decline and that's exactly the kind of thing that whoever does win this election really should be pushing so you know fair play i'm I'm on the burning bus now
3: i actually i mean this you know like i said this is something i'm convinced by i wrote a piece a few years ago um maybe we can pop it in the show notes if not if you google it was a john cooper clark review you'll be able to find it which is saying that Myth in the kind of self-mythologizing in Manchester is so long that you can actually affect change in that city by basically going. This happened in this place, and people will sort of go along with it and and allow that mythology to be created. And there's an incredible sense of being that second cultural capital, which I think is smart to tap into. Um, and I know we've spoken about this on the podcast before when we've had Stuart McConney in and talking to Neil Atkinson of the Anfield Rap of going the sense of the gravity of a culture that's kind of got two fingers up in the air and kind of in love with itself but that's the beauty of it. it is so strong in Manchester mm-hmm. so against my better wishes and against what I want to be what I actually think and maybe he's not entirely cocked this one up
4: welcome home
3: welcome home oh don't
2: don't well, I can't we'll, can't we'll get back to this conversation in a bit but firstly we should uh, hear from the great man himself So, the thing I'm kind of curious about is... Obviously, like, these are not yet high-profile posts. I think a lot of people don't know the election's even happening yet. What are you going to do to convince people that there is a purpose to this job? How are their lives going to change in the first three months or something so they go, oh, right, this is why we elected this guy?
4: Yeah,
5: devolution only works if it brings real change. There's no point in it otherwise if it's just tinkering at the edges, you know, so... It's about saying we're going to do things radically differently. And Greater Manchester has a very long and proud tradition of that, of taking power off the establishment and handing it to ordinary ordinary people. And the specific I want to do is kind of change a uh, a Westminster mentality that makes young people the target for cuts and has stripped support away from them in recent times. I don't see how you can build a strong and prosperous society on that basis. I don't see how you can rise to the challenge of Brexit on that basis. If I'm to be elected uh, and I want to bring in inward investment here from around the world, I've got to show them that we are building the most highly motivated, highly trained workforce anywhere in the country. So rather than make young people the target, for cuts, I will make them the priority for investment. And I'm saying that the first three-month thing they will see is... well maybe not three months but it will be soon you know half price bus travel for 16 to 18 year olds moving to half price Metrolink eventually to a free bus pass for all 16 to 18 year olds it's just because it's simple but you've got to send a message that we're going to help every single young person here have hope at the
2: end of school and get on in life and to what extent do you see the job as being about you know, not just representing Manchester but representing the wider north and kind of creating this alternative power base huh?
5: yeah. well I mean, I've always spoken up for the North, always. People know that. People take the mickey at times, well, that's fine, they can do that, I don't mind. Uh, Because I came into politics to do that. And, you know, it's what motivates me. Um, Because I I see the unfairness that that, uh, we have in a very still unequal country. Um, So, I'll be a voice for Greater Manchester, first and foremost. Um, But I think over time... When we start to see mayors coming through in other places, the, the voice of the North will begin, I hope anyway, to be heard more loudly than it's been heard before. And I want to play my part in that, but my priority is, is here and making Greater Manchester everything that, that we want it to be. And I genuinely believe, I said it at the end of my speech today, but I believe in the future, in the next 10 years, more change is going to happen in this country by people taking inspiration from what's happening here rather than direction from what people are saying in Westminster. I think you're going to see that, as we see with other cities around the world, more radical change comes through uh, the city route, and I think you're going to see that here.
2: So how important do you think, I mean, obviously the last administration talked a lot about cross-north links that may or may not ever materialise, but how important do you think things like that are for the future of Manchester and the wider region?
5: Oh, I don't think you can have a northern powerhouse without that Major investment in west to east rail infrastructure linking the great cities of the north. Um, It's a higher investment priority for the country, in my view, than HS2. It's certainly higher than Crossrail 2. And this is a test of the government's commitment to the northern powerhouse it promised us. You know, is it going to put forward the funding to deliver that investment? I think HS2 or Crossrail for the north, whatever you call it, sorry, HS3 or Crossrail for the north, should be built together with HS2 at the same time you should make them one single integrated scheme where you build east, west and north, south together and I think if you did that public support for it would probably for HS2 would probably rise actually because um, most people here would say you know it's not north, south that we need it's east, west that we, we need yeah that's something I hear a lot from people yeah. is how much
2: time they spend on the M62 in the traffic oh, channel
5: yeah. Yeah. I, I mean I live west of great Manster where there's you know, a long journey in and poor public transport so yeah journeys are routinely well over an hour um and the independent economic review for the northern powerhouse and if you've read it but it identified transport poor transport infrastructure as the single biggest cause of the productivity gap between north and south you know for every um one pound spent on transport here london gets six and you can't carry on with that level of inequality and unfairness and then not be a real impact on our economy. There is an impact on our economy. That's why I'm saying, you know,
2: Crossrail 2 has got to go to the back of the queue, in my view. So what are your transport priorities, investment priorities, rather than just the bus paths within Greater Manchester?
5: Well, part of the priority is making the buses work in the public interest rather than the private interest. The leaders of Greater Manchester demanded powers um, to regain control of the buses um, as part of the devolution deal and we're good, we will make big changes to um, uh, the bus system using those powers. Uh, there is going to be change to the um, uh, to the rail franchising that's coming through with longer trains. We are clear that we have to build uh, a high-class cycling network across Greater Manchester to give people some real alternatives to their cars and get people more active. Um, looking at ideas like... Uh, car sharing and the bus lanes, things like this, just to get the place moving, you know. My worry is people might be flying into Great Manchester, Manchester Airport at the moment, and starting to drive around thinking, hang on a minute, I'm not sure this place flows very well, you know, and we've got to act on congestion, definitely, to make it make it flow.
2: What looks different in 2020? After four years of, of Andy Burnham as mayor, what are the kind of things you want to be different?
5: No rough sleeping. You know, I've said that we will make that a priority. Um, so Ivan Lewis is leading on that for me with death knolls. People here don't want to see people holding in doorways, not because of, they don't like the spectacle of it, because they care about people and they don't accept that that's inevitable. So we would want that to have been delivered. I would want young people already to be enjoying um, subsidised travel so that they um, are taking advantage of more, more opportunities and they're feeling the benefit of that. We would have wanted to have started work on the cycling cycling network. Um, We would have rebalanced the planning framework towards the town centres of Greater Manchester, revitalising the town centres. Um, Social care would be much much more fully within the NHS uh, by uh, by 2020, um, ending the redundant and broken 15-minute visit system that we've got. So, yeah, there'll be real changes. Three years isn't a huge amount of time to change the world, but people will have seen um, a real difference and real progress. And they will have a new ambition around Greater Manchester as a digital city and as a green city, because I'm quite clear in the first year we're going to set a new ambition about both of those things. Okay, great.
2: Thank you very much for your time, and uh, best of luck on Mayfield. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. So, coming into this, Patrick, you're you're a lot more instinctively pro pro Andy than anyone else oh, in the boy. room. Do you, well, g- give us the case for the defence. Well, why do you why do you like? I mean, is it just because you're also from Liverpool? Well, let me first declare an interest. Where Andy I, Burnham, who is running for mayor of Manchester, is also from.
4: Let me, I mean, let me declare an interest and make a confession in that neither Andy Burnham nor I are actually proper scouters. In fact, I would probably get lynched if I had to say I as a scouser. We're both from Sefton, which is. Well, the outline metropolitan boroughs, which is why actually instinctively I like it because we both have that sort of um, you know, scouts but not quite scouts thing going on. I'm sure again, I'm sure I'll get Lynch for saying that. Um, but actually, I really do think that his sort of shtick in this mayoral campaign that I, you know, I'm the the new young radical. I actually agree with that. Look at the stuff on health, for instance. Right, the integration of health and social care. He's been pushing that for years and years and years. And actually, I think it's quite admirable that he's jumping ship, although, you know, you can understand why he's jumping ship from the PLP at this time, to actually implement that. Like, wouldn't you, can't you see the the merit in that, John?
2: Yeah, I can, but I guess my question about it is when George Osborne was first proposing devolving control over the NHS to the Greater Manchester Mayor, Andy Burnham as Shadow Health Secretary was in the vanguard of, of opposing that and saying it was a bad idea, so... But, how, how do you rationalise that? This if is this one of the
4: other reasons why well, I like Andy Burnham, because he actually ran a very, very good long game for the Labour leadership in 2015 by carving out that niche as the champion of the NHS. And also, there is an
0: argument. That, that's quite savvy from Burnham there. That um Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot...
4: When the Tory government talks about more devolution, it's actually talking about devolving cuts. Um, But actually, I think that's another reason I like Andy Burnham, is that he's actually much cannier than a lot of people, and John, especially you, give him credit for. (laughs)
2: Especially me. Mm. That's a canny manoeuvre from him, you know, championing the NHS. But again, the problem is he... He was the only health secretary ever to privatise a hospital in 2009. Ah, uh, but
4: that, that, was the mu- that was the move music. That was the move music.
2: It's like, I just don't think you can have it both ways. Like, I mean, okay, like... Circumstances change. My reading is actually he's just... Uh, he, he's the ultimate party man. In 2009, he was a Blairite, because it was still... I mean, it was Brown government at that point, but it was still Blairite health policies we were largely pursuing. By the time he was shadow health the mood in the party had changed and so he changed as well. I think he's always kind of it's a sort of ultra loyalty really. Well, I mean, it's the sort of weathercocks versus Signpost
4: argument, isn't it? But like sort of
2: yeah, what, the ultimate Weathercock. I mean, round. Like you could, round and you could round.
4: say Corbyn is the ultimate Signpost and look how well that's turned out. This is true. And you know, at least I, I think, you know, to his sort of eternal discredit. I think his problem is actually he's he's too nice and and Andy if you're listening, you want a biography, I'll happily <laughs> uh, I'll happily I'll happily write it for you, but I think his problem is actually that he's got this streak of decency about him that other politicians don't have. And I think actually when he had that sort of weird contorted position over the tax credit cuts, that he actually meant that, that he actually thought you know they actually valued this. You know, that I'm going to be loyal, display the loyalty that I would want my shutter candidate to display. And I think to his one failing in that in that respect is that he's just too nice to. Um, too nice to be prime minister, but I'm sure I make a great
2: mayor Okay, I mean, I actually came away from yesterday's event thinking he probably will be quite a good mayor. Mm. Which I mean, I'm still I still have all the cynicism I ever did, but it's because so much of those jobs is about the sort of vision thing, and it's about saying you know this is what this city is, this is what we represent, and like Sadiq Khan in London has actually been reasonably rubbish in a lot of the policy stuff. Like his, his transport numbers are not going to add up. His housing policies are going nowhere. But what he's done very well is been the guy saying, hey, London is still open and international and multicultural and ready for your business at the time when the general mood in this country is kind of pulling away from all that. And I think actually Andy Burnham will be quite good at doing the equivalent of that in Manchester. Mm-hmm. At sort of, you know, pushing a certain, his, his whole sort of, I'm, I'm a cheeky Northern lad who likes football stick actually works quite well as a Metro Met.
3: And it's true, I think there is a, case to be made for chippiness and I know this is the thing I'm going to get told off for is kind of going I know it's very unpopular to go you know chippy northerners but I think there is something important about being a bit chippy when the structure of the area you're from is being treated as second best there is a driving force of resentment that is worth giving a bit of credence to and so even though I find it insufferable I see that it is useful in its way.
4: And, you know, like, here, one of his greatest, sort of, you know, drawbacks, as is commonly identified in in Westminster, or especially in 2015, it's like, why, why does Andy Burnham keep talking about the North? As you say, John, becomes one of his greatest strengths and becomes a champion for that region. You know, people were... Also, I this is a criticism I don't really buy, it's that, God, why does Andy Burnham talk about being from the North and liking football so much? It's because he is from the North and he likes football. I mean, why is that sort of authenticity so especially grating to people?
2: But no, it's not that authenticity that's grating, it's the fact he's doing the whole, I'm from outside the Westminster bubble because I'm from the North and I look for, like football. Despite the fact that he's been very much inside the Westminster bubble since the age of 24, shortly after he graduated from Cambridge, but it's that kind. It's the idea that like having a Northern accent automatically puts you outside sure, it. Sure. That I find a bit.
4: But in, in, in his defence, even though you know he there was that immortal line he, he used in the ele- uh, the leadership election, which was God, I don't send my, I don't spend my Saturdays at Fabian uh, Society conferences, and then someone produced a sort of. Definitive almanac of every Fabian Society conference Andy Burnham has spoken at in the past decade. Actually, to his credit, he lives in Lee, brought his kids up in Lee. He's not one of these sort of no, part-timers who, no yeah, yeah,
2: fair play to the man. And, you know, of the policies he laid out, I mean, there was there was a lot of stuff in there that was quite sort of self-parodic. Like, he did talk about how in Berlin, apparently, are now saying that Manchester is going to be Europe's Silicon Valley. I don't think that's true. I mean, it it maybe I'm not saying it's not plausible, I'm saying I don't think they're going round in Berlin saying this right now. And also he quoted Tony Wilson for Factory Records, uh, saying that, you know, digital media is the new rock and roll, which is like... I'm not sure that's I mean, quite is. what
3: Tony Wilson was getting at. Look at well, I don't think
2: it was either. But, you know, again, he's kind of reaching for this Mancunian mythology. It was another sort of... I mean, like, if Tony Wilson was still alive, he would be storming this election, wouldn't he? I mean...
3: I would vote for Tony Wilson to walk me into the grave. But
2: <laughs> and, and that's so, not a logical position. That. And the, the amazing thing... Have, sorry, this is getting distracted here. But have you seen... You've seen 24-hour party people, right? Oh, yes, I've
3: seen 24-hour yeah, party people.
2: The thing that got me, having seen that film, when oh, I God, later God. saw Tony Wilson interviewed, was realising that they'd had to tone t- t- Tony Wilson down and make him less obnoxious <laughs> to make that film work.
3: He's... See, my, yeah, and... Um, I can understand why he's picking Tony Wilson as that, because Tony Wilson is Salford, Cambridge, between two worlds, trying to make the North rise again, yeah. using his inroads. Yeah. In the so in a way, he's quite useful. I would say, obviously, Tony Wilson is a visionary. He's not a weathercock. He is a signposter. <laughs> um, and also he's got a wonderful sense of design. But um,
4: Have you not seen Andy Burnham's campaign material? Yeah, I have. <laughs> <laughs> But also, you know, I think there's a lot to be said. I mean, we're not talking about the... I mean, obviously Manchester is... I don't know what your position on this, John. Manchester is England's second city. No, I agree. Um, Sorry you know, But you know, But, you know, we're talking about this Merrill election in a way that we're not talking about the, the Metro mayoral election in the, in the in the Tees Valley. And obviously that's sort of comparing apples with oranges. But there's a lot to be said for, you know, Burnham has... He's sort of owning the Metro mayoralty, and I'm sure him and Steve Rollerman in Liverpool will become sort of some sort of cool dad axis uh, against the Tory government. I mean, also, big up the pair of them for their doing what, you know, a generation of New Labour politicians failed on, Jack Straw especially, and, you know, bringing justice uh, to the Hillsborough families. I mean, there's, it takes a, for as much as, you know, you call Burnham a weathercock, he's a weathercock when it matters, as in, it, would t- it takes lots of metal to be heckled in front of the COP and to, you know, to magnanimously take that on the chin and actually devote the next half decade to getting just for those families. Sorry to bring the mood down to this sort of serious realm, but that's actually something I don't think he gets enough credit for, especially May the other week, saying at PMQs that, you know, she was the woman who secured just for the Hills families. when actually Yeah, I mean, that's... Burnham is the... But Burnham is the the best champion those those families have ever had, I I think. Hmm.
3: I think I think also as well when you talk about him and Steve Rotherham working together, I know we've spoken on this podcast before about why is there not a commuter service that goes from Liverpool to Salford Quays because you have a load of empty houses and available office space there that are not being used and actually it is a nightmare to get from mm. the commuter, a commuter home in Liverpool to Salford it requires you going into Piccadilly and tramming back out basically. So if there is some kind of, I mean the greatest way of getting the northern powerhouse together might be to get a load of cooperative mayors up there um sorry george osborne
2: but i mean this was but that's what george osborne always wanted i mean i, I, I'm, I having let patrick take the bullet and defend andy Burnham, I'm, I'm really going to run into the fire and defend george osborne <laughs> now. but this was what the whole northern powerhouse thing was about now you can argue about how committed he ever was But the whole purpose of the exercise was saying, you know, between Manchester, Liverpool, Sheffield, Leeds, you've got about the population of London. You could basically turn it into a sort of English version of the Rhine-Ruhr conurbation just by connecting it up by the transport links. And then hopefully the market will do its work. And, you know, people will move there because there's cheaper housing and there's enough jobs and companies will move there. and And, and, And then you've rebalanced the economy. Um George Osborne, sadly, is no longer with us in national government to deliver on that, and I suspect it's, gonna, it's not going to happen. But that was always the, the idea that him and Jim O'Neill came up with.
3: I think this is why we need a Labour government imminently, to be honest.
2: Well, I'm sure one will be along any minute.
3: <laughs> See you next week.